and it was my fault uh, because I didn't get it to the pastor so he could get it in the program. But I don't know how you do it. Colus, Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. And we'll, we'll use that in a few minutes. Luke 10, 25 through 37. Okay. Uh, let's pray and we'll get started. Father, how we thank you this evening for your love and your blessing. And we pray, Lord, tonight that you move in our hearts and lives. Help us to understand, Father, where we fit in. And, Lord, that we be willing to fill the place that you've called us to. Lord, we thank you for this time tonight. And we thank you for your blessing upon your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, we've covered uh, all of these motivational gifts, or, or six of them, and we're down to the last one now. Uh, but I want to go back and read chapter 12 of Romans again. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Our ministry, let us use it in our, in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching... He who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, and he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now I'm going to go back and insert the names or the words that we sort of uh, varied off from. Uh, we talked about prophecy, and we call that the gift of prophecy. And he who exhorts is encouragement. So he who encourage uh, that he does with grace in his encouragement and uh, then the giver, and then he who leads or the organizer, the one that organizes out front. Uh, now we come tonight to the mercy motivation. And uh, when I get through with this tonight, I've got a little thing I've sort of put together to maybe help us understand how all of these can function and function together. Uh, the gift of mercy affects more people than any other gift in the body of Christ. And either, and the reason I say that is either you have the gift of mercy or you're showing it to somebody. Now, we're all to show mercy. All of us are. Uh, what is mercy? Uh, mercy is the gift of identifying with the comfort and relief of those who are in need and distress. Thank God for His mercy whenever I was in need for salvation and in distress because of sin. His mercy came. Uh, an old song we used to sing in the church years ago, uh, and the song was, Justice Called, But Mercy Answered. I don't know if any of y'all older folks remember that song or not. That was one of those uh, convention songs that they had in that day. 
The word mercy is akin to compassion, pity, gentleness, and forbearance. It aims at helping others by empathizing. Now, I want you to notice I said empathizing, not sympathizing. There's a difference. Uh, empathize When you sympathize with somebody, it's sort of like if someone loses a loved one and we go to them and say, you have my sympathy. That means that you are saying, hey, I understand your grief. I understand what you're going through. But when you empathize with somebody, you're not only showing that, but you're putting yourself in a position where you're willing to help them through that time. You identify with them in that. And that's what Jesus did with us. There's no greater uh, uh, example of mercy than what Jesus did. Uh, And we'll talk more about that later. But Jesus left all the riches and splendor and glory and beauty and honor of heaven and came to this earth, according to Philippians 2, took upon himself the form of a servant. That's us. He identified with us. He knew that we were in sin, there was no way out, and he came and showed us mercy. Now, he didn't only show us mercy, but he gave us grace also. And I know you've heard me say this before, but just to help you understand the difference between the three, justice is you getting what you deserve. That's justice. And you know, uh, and I think about that in relation to the court system, there's not much justice anymore because people are getting off light with everything. But justice is getting what you deserve. And all of us, because we were born in the manner of Adam, because we were sinners, we deserved death. That's just it. We deserved death. But then God chose to show us mercy, and mercy is simply not getting what you deserve. We deserve death. But in His mercy, He came and made a way to where that we wouldn't have to die. But even beyond that, grace is getting what you don't deserve. And not only did God say, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to let you live, but I'm going to let you live forever. Give you eternal life. That's grace. That's the grace of God. So those, those things helps us understand this a little bit. A church without mercy is a dreadful place. And I've been in some of those where it looked like everybody was hard. You know, have you ever been there, Brad? you ever been to that church? <laughs> I think we all maybe have at some point in time. No mercy in it whatsoever. But a person with a mercy motivation and their attitude is this. I'm going to give you mercy whether or not you deserve it. Don't matter whether you deserve it or not. I'm going to show you mercy. And the thing about it is, they may never come and touch you or talk to you or anything like that, but they're going to show you mercy in their attitude towards you, their countenance towards you, and and the way that they greet you and treat you as you go forward. A lot of times the people with the mercy motivation are known as the criers in the church and because it's easy for them to cry. Uh, and... Uh, then men with the mercy motivation has a lot a struggle a lot of times uh, because of crying because well and it's getting out of that a lot but there used to be this this thing you know men don't cry you y'all heard that hadn't you but I'm gonna tell you a man that has the heart of God is gonna cry sometimes and I can't help it <laughs> and and uh, 
So that's going to happen at some point in time. It's going to take place. Mercy is a gift of feeling. Not just emotional feeling, but touchy feeling. Uh, Let me go ahead and tell you all this in case you don't know it. A perfect example of this gift of mercy, there's several, but I've seen this for years in Deborah Zubrick. She has this motivational gift of mercy. And here's the thing about it. She knows she does. And she is just, at times, years ago especially, just oozed with it, so to speak. And, but she grew in it and she learned how to focus it in the right direction and at the right time. Because I've seen that girl hurt. I've seen her misused and abused. And I would get mad about it. And Mary and her husband get mad about it. She'd just go right back and do the same thing again because that was in her. But she's learned a whole lot. She's grown a whole lot. And when she's here, and you wonder, that woman, when I come into church, she's always got to hug me. That's her. She's a hugger. Why? Because she has this motivational gift of mercy. Now, we have a lot of huggers here. And that don't mean that everybody has a motivational gift of mercy. But that's okay because really in the body of Christ, one-third of all the Christian people have the motivational gift of mercy. One-third of us do. Now, it takes more word for the person with the mercy motivation to stay balanced because they, they get their feelings in it and they move from, from faith to emotions too easy. So easy. Uh, a person... Uh, a mercy person who is not a student of the Bible will stay wiped out all the time. If you have this mercy motivational gift, you need you need to be in the Bible. Everybody needs to be in the Bible, but you probably need to be in it more than anybody else. Studying the Bible, reading the Bible, uh, because you need to keep that level up in you or you're going to end up just getting wiped out and withdrawing and, and then not functioning in your gift, which is a very, very important gift in the body of Christ, especially in this day when so many people are getting hurt for so many different reasons. Uh, because they operate in, in feeling, they have to have more love and attention than others. They just, and they may not say, hey, look at me, but they, in them is a desire for, they crave for attention. And they're not going to get up in front of everybody and do a bunch of stuff, but they crave for attention. So if you know somebody has a mercy motivation, Show them some appreciation. Let them know that you appreciate them and the gift that they have. Uh, People with this gift have to learn to operate in cheerfulness, and we'll talk more about that in a minute uh, because it's so easy for that person to take somebody else's offense. And mercy-motivated people are lousy counselors. And the reason they are is because they'll get emotionally attached sometimes to one or the other, and they'll take sides. That's one thing that a mercy-motivated person has to be careful about is taking sides in situations. And really, all of us need to be careful about that. We don't, we don't need to take sides unless it's just an absolute thing of right and wrong. Then we've got to stand for the right, right? And uh, so... Uh, Anyway, I had had Mendelita was watching a thing on YouTube of dad jokes the other night. Dad jokes, and I don't know if y'all ever 
Some of them are funny. Most of them are corny. You know, but said you heard about the fellow that had to have his left side amputated. Said he was all right. The doctor said there wasn't much left. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Ninety percent. This statistic surprised me. Ninety percent of people on death row have this gift of mercy. You think, well, man, they're hardened criminals. They're there because they killed somebody. Well, that's true. But there's a whole lot involved in that. If you go back into their life, it would be seen that they have this uh, motivational gift of mercy. Now, there's a Bible example. There's several. One, one is Jeremiah. I like Jeremiah. Uh, if you're not reading the book of Jeremiah along with the book of Mark and Proverbs, you need to. And if you're in Ginger's Bible study, you need to read Esther. <laughs> you say, man, that's a whole lot of Bible to read. What else you got to do that's important? Anyway, Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. And the way he felt, he was so in touch with the people of Israel when they were in such sin that he... He cried. He wrote the book of Lamentations right at the end of Jeremiah. And he would pour his heart out to God for these people. And even one point he said, Oh, that my head were rivers of waters and my eyes were fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. So he was that way. But, but the good example that I like is the Good Samaritan. Now Jesus gave this parable. Let me, let me set this for you real quick. Jesus was uh, this one that's in Luke there, Cole. Luke chapter 10. Uh, Jesus was talking about the greatest commandment. They came and challenged him to wonder what the greatest commandment was, you know. And uh, he told them. Then another one came and said, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 25. And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbors yourself. And he said to them, Him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? That's a question a lot of us has asked, isn't it? Is it the person that lived next door to me, the one across the street, one one down the road? Well, Jesus gave him a good answer. He said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, now get a hold of this, here comes a religious crowd that don't have any mercy about them. And a lot of religious people don't have any mercy. There's a lot of preachers, let me tell you, uh, there's a lot of preachers that don't have any mercy about them. They... uh, I've heard them say, man, I'm going to get them told Sunday. They get up and preach, and I see them next week. Boy, I got them told. But the problem was, is losing their congregation. No mercy. You know, you take an old old hound dog, and you feed him every day, but every time he comes up, you hit him in the head, it'll get to where he won't come up when you feed him. Right? And you beat people in the head enough times, it'll get to where they don't want to come up either. But anyway, here comes the religious crowd. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. 
Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked. Get a hold of that. He looked. Looked at him. Saw him there. Now, folks, I could, I could dwell right here and preach on this for a good long time. How many people do we look at in the course of a day that are on their way to hell, and we know they are, and we just pass them on by? Hmm. That's an indictment against all of us. Okay? All of us. He came and, and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan. Now, I take it this man that Jesus is talking about here was a Jew. And in that day, they were, you talk about, man, uh, race is not getting along. Prejudices and segregation was bad among these two, two groups of people, the Jews and the Samaritans. And I believe this man was a Jew that got beat stripped, and left for dead. That's what kind of shape he was in. He was left for dead. This priest and Levite sort of reminded me of the video I saw about uh, the people they run a McDonald's in California, and, and this big woman jumped on a 13-year-old girl and started beating her. I mean, this happened just this last week. Started beating her, and nobody offered to help her. They all took out their cell phones and started recording it. Let me tell you folks something. If you see something like that, try to do something to break it up. Call the law. Don't, don't make a video of it. Don't do that. I mean, if you want to watch something like that, turn on WWF and watch. let them do it, okay? But if you see a, a fellow man in need like that, don't just... Anyway, let me go on. Show mercy. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, get a hold of this, he had compassion on him. This guy came. He felt great compassion and mercy for this man. Let me show you what he did. So he went to him, bandaged his wound, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his way, on his own animal, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Took care of him. He took him to the inn. Even though there may have been other people there, this person went out of their way to help meet the needs. The, the physical need was there as evident, but no doubt a, a, an emotional need. I mean, how would you feel if, two, if somebody jumped on you and, and beat you and stripped you and left you for dead? You don't, don't, that would be some emotional problem, wouldn't it? Well, there's a lot of people that is getting beat up by the devil and he's leaving them for dead that have emotional problems, they have spiritual problems, they have all kinds of things going on, and they need somebody to just put an arm around them and let them know they're there for them, that they love them, they care for them. They need that. Or oh, I'm not going to get involved in anybody's business. I'm not either. But if I can help somebody, if I can show them the love of God, I'm going to do that. And then help them see Jesus and let Jesus take care of their business for them. And on the next day, when he departed, he took out two pennies, or denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend when I come again, I'll repay you. Now, he paid this innkeeper with his own money. And that day, a denarii was a wages for one day's work. So out of his 30-day months, actually you take off the Sabbath days, and that would leave 26 days. So out of his 26-day month of working, he took two days' pay 
to take care of this man. Now, I challenge us how many of us would do that. And you know how much I make. Well, that, you know, that's, that's the thing. We don't, we don't. God does. Now, I'm not saying we've got to do that to show mercy. I'm talking about the attitude. The attitude involved in this of being willing to help somebody. Now, another thing I see in this is that here's this man beat up, wounded physically, wounded mentally, and this Samaritan didn't want him to have to worry about anything. He didn't even want the innkeeper going to him and, and saying anything about money. He just said, when he gets well, let him go. I'll come back. I'll take care of him. So his mercy is operating, doing everything he can to help this situation. He showed mercy. Let's read on down. Verse 36, so said, Which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the lawyer said, He who showed mercy on him. Showed mercy on him. Anybody that you show mercy on, that's your neighbor. Regardless of where they live, what language they speak, what color they are, how they smell, it's your neighbor. And listen to what Jesus said. Now you go and do likewise. All of us need to show mercy, but there's people that have this gift, and, and they need to have the can't-help-it attitude about it. Just got to do it. Now, characteristics of a mercy-motivated person, they have the ability to sense joy or distress. They can see that. There's been a lot of times that I've come in the door in years past and pastor, and then Sister Debbie would be standing there, and she'd hug me and she'd say, Pastor, is everything okay? Because she could sense. And there'd be other times she'd hug me and she'd say, you're having a good day, aren't you? She could sense it. She knew maybe my face was giving me away a whole lot of times. They can, they can feel and see hurts in every situation. That's just the ability for them to do it. And they, they desire to remove hurts and bring healing. They want to do that, and they'll go just as far as they can. They're more concerned for mental distress than physical distress. And they avoid firmness unless it will bring benefit. They'll rebuke others only when it is necessary. Now they'll say, I need to, I, I need to tell somebody this, but then they just won't do it unless it comes to a point where it's absolutely necessary. They're sensitive to words and actions which hurt others. I saw uh, times that I, I've watched Debbie Zubrick and somebody would say something maybe in a joking form about somebody, and I've seen her just sort of just draw up a little bit because of cause that operation of that gift. They make you deal with problems in the church. Pastor, we, we need to do something about this because people are getting hurt. They enjoy being around others with mercy motivation. Another thing about them, they can't handle rejection. So if you know somebody's got the mercy motivation, go out of your way. To show them love. And they tend to close their spirits to those who are insensitive. Well, I don't know why so-and-so don't like me. Well, maybe it's your attitude that they don't like, not you. There's some weaknesses of the mercy motivation person. Avoiding firmness makes them seem weak or indecisive, but they're not. They're a very strong person. It's just the way they operate. And they tend to operate on feeling more than on faith. Emotions get in there. Their attraction to those in distress may be misinterpreted by those of the opposite sex. Over half mercy-motivated women are married to no goods 
and that's the best word I could come up with to be nice, who abuse them mentally and rules over them. Can you think of them? I can't. And they can't handle physical pain. They're not real good with that. And they're sensitive to harmless, harmful words and actions. It may appear that they take another's offense. Now, that's one thing that a mercy-motivated person has got to be able to do is not let what has offended somebody else offend them And in this situation. They'll make, they'll make decisions based on their feelings rather than on the Word of God, and that's the reason they need to be in the Word of God probably more than any of these others for their own benefit. Now, some guidelines for this mercy motivation. Number one, just what I was talking about, allow God to deal with others' offenses. Don't take them yourself. In other words, it'd be, just, it'd be like this. Suppose you had the gift, a mercy-motivated gift, and J.J. comes along and just chews me out for no reason, and it would have to be for no reason. But anyway, he comes along and he just chew me out for some reason, and, and it offends me, hurts my feelings. And if you have that mercy motivation, you have to work on it not offending you too. Now, you could still come and, and show me mercy, show me empathy, help me walk through that thing. You could still do that, but you don't need to allow yourself to become offended because somebody else is offended. Make decisions based on the Word of God, not on emotions. There again, it's important for them to be in the Word. Exercise caution when ministering to members of the opposite sex. Whether you're a man or woman, if you have this motivational gift of mercy, when you're dealing with the opposite sex, you need to always have yourself covered. Have somebody with you. Don't just go in it alone because the tenderness that a mercy-motivated person will show can be attractive to someone, especially if they're in an abusive situation. So you need to, to, to watch that. And then another guideline is to, is to make an effort to fellowship with a variety of other people. Okay, that's the mercy motivated. Now I'm going to put all these together in a little, little example I want to show you. If I can make sure I do this right. Supposing that we all get invited over to Runs and Genders for uh, an afternoon snack. And while we're there, uh, I come through the door or the down in the living room with a cup of coffee and uh, Ron's nice antique table he's got sitting there. I set that down on it and spill it. Now, here we go with these different ones. The prophecy-motivated person would no doubt look and say, you know, you ought to thought about that. I can tell by the way you was coming in through here with that, you was going to spill it. I can tell that. <laughs> now you've run the table. And then the teacher-motivated person would say, well, you know, you know, things like that do happen, and, and I hope you're learning something from all of this experience. And, you know, uh, 
all, all coffee is is colored water. And by the way, I've been doing some study about baptism in the Bible. This is a teacher motivation. Been doing some study about baptism in the Bible of whether you sprinkle or immerse. You know, that, that's the teacher motivation. Well, then, then comes along the, uh, what's next? <laughs> Lost my place. Isn't that something? Here I've been teaching on this all this time. I can't remember them in order. Here comes along the uh, the server, the one that's got the ministry of helps, and they come along and they said, "Oh, oh, this brother, it'd be okay. Let me go get some towels and I'll clean this up and and take care of it. And we'll we'll check make sure this cup's not broke because you know it turned over pretty hard. And I'll go get you another cup of coffee just because I want to help you. That's the server motivation, you see. And then, uh The exhorter, the comforter would come along, no doubt put his arm around me and say, you know, you know, Brother Carroll, things like this happen. I've had this to happen to me before. But I'm here to tell you, you can push through this and you can get over this and you may never spill another cup of coffee in your life. <laughs> then the organizer, they'd step up and say, uh, well, you know, we need to take inventory. Make sure that all the Ron's cups are okay. And not only that, uh, somebody call the antique store and make sure we know how to clean this thing up so it won't be no problem with it. And uh, while you're getting the paper towels and, and, uh, and the mop, be sure you get the mop. That's the organizer, you see. And then the mercy motivated person would come along, take me by the hand and say, Brother David, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. This will pass. And it's not going to last forever. This spilt coffee, it'll get cleaned up and everything will be okay. You see what I'm talking about? You, that gives you some idea about how these gifts are supposed to work. To work together so that we can all help each other. And you know, here I am. I'm the one that did this. But I'm thankful that the prophecy-motivated person was able to see that there could be something wrong. But my only problem is, why didn't they already say something? But anyhow, uh, and then, you know, the teacher, I, I appreciate them calling my attention to the fact that I can learn from this. And, and one thing I did learn is that people, all the people in the body of Christ is willing to help. Some, some of them, and just like all of us, sometimes the help may be a little bit misput. But, but the help is there anyway. And then uh, the server, so appreciative of that person to go get those towels and mop and clean this up and, and take care of it. And, uh, and then the, the encourager just to let me know, hey, I can pick up and I can go on from this and hold my head up high, knowing that that's not the first person that's ever spilled a cup of coffee. Okay? And then the organizer, I just really thank them for taking charge and say that everything is put back to normal. And then that person with the mercy given, giving, I, I'm thankful to them that they can just help me know, hey, we're working through this, we're moving on through this, and we're going to come out on the other side better. And they'll probably tell me something like this, next time you'll be able to see how to do that, handle that cup of coffee. All right. Anybody have any question or Comment.
Anything you'd like to say or ask? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for spilling that cup of coffee. <laughs> I know. We do it at our house too, Ginger. That's but Well, I trust that you've got something to help you realize where you fit in the body of Christ and, and to and to work and to move and to do. I was I was sharing this with a good pastor friend of mine, and I won't say who, most of you may know anyway. And and he said, man, can I get your notes from that? He said, because that sure needs to be taught in my church. I told him, I said, no, but for $100, I'll come teach it for you. <laughs> but it does need to be taught. Sometimes we think that discipling somebody is teaching them how to win somebody to Jesus, and that is part of discipling. And you know, there's a lot of things. Teaching somebody how to tithe, that's part of discipling. Teaching somebody how to pray is part of discipling. But teaching them how they fit into the body of Christ is a big part of discipling. And when people get a hold of that, they'll begin to put forth the effort to learn these other things. Why? Because serving and doing what we're supposed to be doing is so rewarding. It's just enjoyable. Now, I want y'all to know I've enjoyed these eight weeks, these times of being able to be here and to share this with you. And uh, so I want you to take it. And if any of it you missed, go go on our Facebook page, go on uh, YouTube, or go on uh, sermon.net, and, and go back and listen to these things and get them. And if you need papers, they're in there on the pastor's desk. He'll be glad to let you have them. Share with them. Okay. Anything else just now? Okay. Well, now, a friend of mine.